don't know about you, but I, I'm having a great time here today in the presence of God. How about, how about you? Yeah? It's awesome. That's not too convincing, but that's okay. <clears throat> uh, let's pray together. Uh, let's pray for my throat. It's not feeling great. Uh, so pray with me uh, right now, would you please? Father, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you that your presence is here with us, Lord. Father, remind us that our goal here is, is to gather around your presence, even through the teaching of your word. And Lord, if the words preached here this morning don't lead us into an encounter with you, then all I'm giving your people is, is information. So Holy Spirit, lead us into an encounter with the Father right now, as you have been this morning. Anoint my words, anoint my throat, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Amen. Okay, as, as Pastor Nick said a little while ago, we're kicking off this, uh, a new series called This Is Us. And for the record, we do know that this is based off a TV show. Okay, uh, how many of you actually seen that show? Don't be shy. Oh, it's pretty good. What's it about? <laughs> hey, family, community, every, yeah, everything, that's good. Well, anyway, we, we like the title uh, for this teaching series. That's the only reason we're using it. Okay, it's a great title, This Is Us. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be going over uh, what it means to be This Is Us. And we're going to journey together, and we're going to discover and experience the benefits of releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth in and through authentic community. Okay, do you guys know that community was designed by God as a primary way to be in relationship with one another? Um, to experience relationship spiritually with one another and missionally. And it's a primary way in which we live out our faith. What does that mean? Well, it means if you're not in community, you're really missing out. You're really missing out. It's true. Okay, here's something for you. You, by yourself, alone, do not completely reflect the image of God. You and I need one another in community to accurately reflect who God is. Okay, Genesis 1, 26, 27 says that you and I were created in their image. Well, whose image is that? It's God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? God is community. And later in Genesis 2, 8, it mentions that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so when you and I walk alone in this life, we're actually not living out the true reflection of who, of who we are in God's image and who we're created to be. See, the kingdom reality is that you and I were never meant to be walking alone in this life. And it was the Father's plan from the very beginning that we do life, kingdom life, together. That's pretty neat, eh? Yeah. Now, that makes sense in our heads, but... I know there's some of you here this morning that doesn't make a lot of sense in our heart. I know, I've been there too, okay? I've been there. Sometimes community isn't what it's supposed to be. We get hurt in community. And so we stay away from community. But as Pastor Nick said last week, was it last week or the week before, he said if you get hurt in community, it's the best place to get healed. If you get hurt in community... Run back to community to be healed from what you were hurt from. So we're going to talk about all this kinds of stuff this next five weeks. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. All right. We're going to jump into a few passages today. You can start turning to the first one in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 
<clears throat> we'll hit Revelation 4, 9, Exodus 20, 1 Samuel 18, and others. Okay, and some of these we'll just do a flyover so you can just listen to me if you like. But before we go there, I just want to point something out, like kind of an observation in our culture. Do you guys know that we live in a world that is temporal in nature? Just think about that for a sec. We live in a world that's temporal, it's temporary in nature. We act as if, as if everything in this world is temporary. Okay, you can look at life in a certain way and believe that everything is temporary. You know, we believe that what 2 Corinthians 4.18 says is true. It says, and so we fix not our eyes on things seen, but on things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are temporary, and the things that are not seen are eternal. Know your Bibles. Eternal. Okay, but this idea that, that we, <clears throat> the things that we see are temporary is beginning to, to leak subconsciously into the way we treat commitment with one another and how we view covenant relationships with one another as well. So, I mean, from, from the family structure to, to the church, we struggle, we struggle to experience lasting commitment and true covenant living expressed toward one another. We see it all over the place. Okay, there's broken and, and fractured relationships in marriages and in families. And even friendships inside the church are fractured and broken and in need of healing. And then there's also church hoppers who, who shy away from committing to the body of Christ, most likely because they've been hurt once before in the church, and, and so they're nervous or they hesitate to really engage deeply in community in the body of Christ again. And we see it everywhere. But something I want to point out to you guys this morning is actually, it's actually really awesome. We've been called into something really, really fascinating. So turn with me to 1 Peter 2 if you're not there already. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You can look it up on your phone or, or the real Bible right here. <laughs> the real thing, okay? I actually, I just want to say something about that. Um... This was never meant to be replaced by a phone. Okay, the phone is a good thing. Technology's good. It's really good. But that phone that we read our Bible app on is convenient, but it doesn't replace this physical Bible. It does not. Okay, that's my opinion. It's not biblical anywhere in here. Okay, but it's my opinion, and I, I strongly believe that. So bring your Bibles to church. Underline them. Write in them. Okay, I can underline my, my phone. Well, it's not the same. It's not the same. Okay? Be in this word. All right. That's enough preaching. Okay. You ready? Okay. I don't know what's going on here, guys. Keep praying for me. <clears throat> okay. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Isn't that good? that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Isn't that good? Praise Jesus. You've heard me say this many times before, and I'll, I'll be saying it a hundred more times and a hundred more times than that, but you and I are a royal people. Okay, we're chosen people. We're a spiritual nation of believers. 
we are set apart by God. Okay, we were once not a part of God's people, but now we are God's people. Fascinating. But what does that really mean? It means a lot of things. But one thing I want to highlight to you is that being called a royal priesthood, a spiritual nation of people, means that our lives together in the body of Christ are intended to be or, or are created to be, hear this, eternal relationships, not temporary. Eternal. Okay, this group of people right here, who God, God has called everybody in here into royal family, the royal kingdom, we are an eternal people. Just turn to the person beside you and say, I can't wait to spend eternity with you. Okay, do it right now. Come on. All of you, come on. I can't wait to spend eternity with you. Okay, that's enough. No kissing right now. Okay, that's good. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing? Okay. Here's something. What about that one person? <laughs> Or what about that group of people who you're currently living in tension with? They may be sitting over there and you're over here. What about those guys? Uh, uh-oh. Friends, I got, I got great news for you. They're not going anywhere. Okay? They're not going anywhere. Forever. <laughs> you come and preach. Okay? They are a part of this eternal group of people just as much as you are a part of this eternal group of people. Right? And this flies in the face of everything that we see out there. Like I mentioned a minute ago, our broken family structures, our, 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 our fractured friendships inside the church and the body of Christ all wage war against this kingdom reality that these relationships in the body of Christ are eternal. So we need to rise up, and we need to fight for and to protect these relationships that the Father has blessed us to live in community with. And I want to suggest to you this morning that one of the best ways, one of the best ways that you and I can fight together to protect these relationships is to cultivate a culture of honor. I really believe and I'm convinced that once you and I begin to honor one another in our relationships inside the church, and with those outside these walls as well who don't yet know Jesus, and those in your family, once we, once we honor one another, we will truly be a threat to hell and the kingdom of darkness. We will. Because the worst thing for the enemy is that when, when, when God's people, God's royal people, live like royal people and know their true identity and honor one another. We live out our king of destinies doing life together in the unity of the spirit. The enemy of our soul hates that. Hates it. I'm convinced that honor is the currency of heaven that holds our kingdom relationships together. Write that down. 
Honor is the currency of heaven that holds our kingdom relationships together. But the issue, the issue is that we don't talk a lot about honor. And I think part of the reason is we just don't really get it. We don't understand fully what honor is. I remember way back uh, when Sandra and I, my wife, were dating. I won't embarrass you, love, don't worry. And we were going on this awesome date, okay? I bought tickets to Phantom of the Opera. I'm an opera guy, I like it. We, and we went to Vancouver, okay? It was awesome. And I remember the crazy amount of time that I spent preparing to hang out with my princess, okay? I, I cleaned the car like four times. I polished it, I waxed it. I didn't go to daily detailing. It wasn't existing yet, Okay? <laughs> But I vacuumed inside the car. I even took Q-tips inside the vents. You know, I, I put a suit on. It was my only suit. It was my best suit. Okay, I got a haircut, and I, I picked Sandra up, and I opened the door for her. I still do at times. I need to do that more often. Okay, but <clears throat> I paid attention to everything about her, right? And I, I, was, I was healthily subconscious of, of how I behaved in front of her. I wanted her to feel special. Okay, I wanted to give her the best version of me that night. I won't tell anybody that our car almost got towed, but that's beside the point. <laughs> right? And it was her car. But anyway. <clears throat> honor. Right? We're here about honor. That was honoring to her. Okay, I respected and admire her so much that I want to do, I want to give her the best me possible. Okay, I'll get into more expressions of what honor looks like soon. But just know that we're called to honor people. The Bible calls us to honor relationships. Okay, the Bible tells us to honor Jesus. It's coming up here. Revelation 4, 9 to 11. It says to honor kings. 1 Peter 2, 17. And honor parents and wives and widows. There's the list. And all people. Okay, the Bible calls us to honor all these kinds of relationships. Let's take a quick look at the Jesus one there, Revelation 9, or Revelation 4, verse 9. If you want, you can turn there. Starting verse 9, it says this. It says, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Again, verse 11, You are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Okay, we come together on Sundays and sometimes throughout the week and, and we worship Jesus. We worship the Father. And, and, and we, we give Him glory. We sing songs that give Him honor and praise. You guys ever think about how you and I actually get that glory and honor to give him? Isn't it kind of like saying, Bill Gates, I give you money. You know, guys aren't getting that. That's okay. I, whatever I have is piddly. It's piddly. Honoring God. How am I going to honor God? He is honor. What does that, what does that mean? Because whatever I have is absolutely, it's, it's little to give him. Unless I understand that he first honored me. 
and he first honors you. Okay, we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19. And by loving us first, he honored us first. And in so doing, he changed something about you and me. He changed who we are in our relationship with him. Okay, he took us from being a people without God to a people of belonging to God, of royal status, and a people who now belong in the kingdom. He changed something about us. That's what honor does. Okay, it changes the relationship, and it changes who you are in relationship with me. So Jesus honored us first. He loved us first so that we could now love and honor others and him, right? And not only do we honor him, but he empowered us, gave us the ability to honor others because of the honor that he first gave us. Okay, let's see that last slide again. So we're to honor Jesus, the Bible says. We're to honor kings and parents and wives and widows. All wives are going, yeah, right? Honor me, okay? And all people, all people, all people. You guys, are you getting that? Okay, that one hit, I get a speed bump over that one too, okay? All people. See, for many of us, we think that honor will only go to people who deserve it. And we think that honor only go to people who earn it, Right? I'll honor you if you're honorable. Well, I'll honor you if, if you honor me. That's how we live. See, this whole idea of honor and receiving honors for achievement in schools is fantastic. It's great. But it's also leaked into our relationships. Okay, once you've earned my respect, I'll respect you. Right? Or once you've earned the right to be honored, I'll then honor you too. But the Bible says to honor everyone, even those who don't deserve it and even those who don't earn it. And I know many of us have learned that honor and, and trust and respect and, and even love has to be earned. Some of us have learned that. It's not biblical. But honor says, I will not allow your lack of love toward me or your untrustworthiness toward me or your lack of respect toward me to determine how much or how little I love or honor you. Okay, in other words, honor says, I will not allow someone else's flaws to violate or control my essential core value system or, or characteristics of who I am. I will honor you regardless of how you treat me. Look at the life of Jesus. He never allowed people to change who he was, ever. Well, that was Jesus. Jesus lives in you, right? Listen, whether he was hanging out at the pub with tax collectors and sinners, or it was Peter who denied him three times, or it was Judas who, who was stealing money, or whether it was that crowd of people who left who stopped following Jesus after some hard teaching, Jesus never changed who he was. He was always on, right? Always. He did not allow others to dictate who he was or how he responded to them. 
So it is with you and me. See, a culture of honor will protect kingdom values toward other people regardless of how others treat you. Okay, let's look at a little bit more definition of of honor. So honor also means to glory in, to promote. I'll explain that in a few minutes. It also means to have great esteem for somebody. It means to elevate the status of another, so to take them from from one level and raise them to the next. It means to give prestige to to people. And many of us commonly understand and know that that honor is to give great respect and admiration to people as well. You'll find, you can turn there if you want, it's just a quick flyover, but Exodus 20, verse 12, it's in the Ten Commandments. It says there, to honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that that God is giving you. Okay, so the Hebrew word here for honor is kabod, which actually means to glory in. And glory means magnificent or renowned or to take great beauty in. So the verse literally here says, glory in your father and mother. Take beauty in your father and mother. Promote and glory your father and mother. What do I do if my parents aren't very nice? What do I do if my parents abused me? Or what, what, what do I do if they make fun of me now because I'm a Christ follower? Or what about all my friends who, who betrayed me? Or what about my friends who's they're just jerks? What are my parents who are just, they're just not nice? How do I handle that? Nevertheless, honor, glory in your father and mother, glory and honor in those around you, in those relationships. This is hard, isn't it? It's okay, you can say yes. So you may ask, well, how on earth then am I supposed to honor or glory my mom or dad or in all those other relationships that are just like sandpaper? So let me suggest to you that even in those kinds of relationships, let me suggest that you look for the glory that the Father has put in your father or mother. Or, or all those around you. Okay, look for, discover the gold, okay, the, the treasures of heaven that the Heavenly Father has given to your mother and father or to all those other people. Okay? Not only look for that gold that's in them, but then call it out of them and then raise that up to the surface of every relationship. See, honor one another by reaching into that person around you and find those gold deposits of heaven, the deposits from the Father, in who they are. And friends, every created human being has deposits from heaven in them. Everyone! So honoring one another is to glory and it's to promote. It's to call out the golden people. To call out the greatness in one another and bring it to the surface of your relationship. Everybody has gold in them. Everyone. 
Honoring one another is also, it's also about elevating the status of an individual. From, it's like raising them from one level to the next. And there's actually a beautiful picture of this taking place in 1 Samuel 18. Okay, if you could flip there if you want. Um, but it's where Jonathan and David are in this scene. And Jonathan does this amazing thing in their relationship. Okay, these guys are best friends. Okay, they were soul friends. And, and, Dave, and Jonathan loved David as himself. It was amazing. Jonathan was also a royal prince. Okay, he was next in line to the throne. And what he does here is it's awesome. So in verse 4 of chapter 18 in verse Samuel, it says that Jonathan took off his robe, his royal robe, and he put it on David. And he gave him, along with the robe, he gave him his belt, his bow, his tunic, and his sword. And as one author put it, he says, now regardless of why Jonathan did this, it felt very honoring to David. To have the elements of royalty from my life given to you, a servant boy in my father's house, as David was in the house of Saul. And then what happens in that moment is your, your status in that relationship changes. That's what honor does. Okay, honor reaches into your life, transfers the royal status that I have, and I transfer it over to you. And I take what I have and, and, and how I treat you and the honor that's been given to me, and I give that same honor back to you. I love that. That is so good. Do you guys know? Please hear this. Do you know that this is what God has done for every single one of you in here? Do you know that? Do you know that we can honor one another and we can elevate the status of an individual because of what Jesus did for you and for me? But this is one of the biggest reasons we struggle with honor because we still think that in Christ we're a servant boy. I talked about this a few weeks ago in dialoguing through Luke 15. We're not servants. We are sons and daughters of the king. We're sons and daughters of the king. It's all about knowing your identity. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he took us out of darkness and brought us into the light. Okay? We were made heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17. Okay? And then, check this out, and then he seated us with Christ even in heavenly places. Not then, now. Ephesians 1, 17. It's in your Bible. We were once a people who did not know God. But in Christ Jesus, we're called God's people, a royal people, a spiritual nation. He's elevated your status of who you were without Christ, a sinner in the kingdom of darkness, to who you are now in Christ Jesus, a saint in the kingdom of light. So when you see somebody who, in the body of Christ, who's struggling with her identity, you honor them by reminding them of who they really are. You elevate them to who they're supposed to be in this kingdom. Don't let people get away with thinking otherwise. You tell them, you are a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king. You're a part of the royal family. 
And you say, what the Lord has given me, honor, I'm giving you. There's still another way that we can choose to honor people, honor our relationships. And that is that honor builds prestige in others. And that's kind of a word we don't use often either. But it's a kind of honor or awe or, or high opinion uh, that high-ranking people or officials or influential or successful people can give to somebody else. Okay, when we think of prestige or prestigious and, and high-ranking and influential at least I think of lifestyles of the rich and famous. You guys remember that? I'm dating myself here. Okay, please, somebody, remember that? Thank you. Okay, hello, I'm Roman Lynch. Welcome to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Right? I just butchered that, I know. But that, it was, oh, it was, it was good. It was a neat show. Okay, we think of wealth and prestige when we think of rich and famous people. Let me tell you something, friends. Are you aware that we are part of a limitless kingdom that has limitless resources. Okay, it's a limitless kingdom. Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. Philippians 4.19, God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3.16, I pray that He would unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory. It's the passion version. It's an awesome version. Okay? Not, but not only are you limitless, or, or, or are you part of a limitless kingdom, okay? You are a high-ranking, successful, influential person in this kingdom because you're called an ambassador for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20. That is amazing. You are an ambassador. Okay? You have the ability to build prestige in other people giving great awe and honor and high opinion of others coming from someone as high-ranking and influential as you. Because you're an ambassador. That's really good. While we were international workers, missionaries with the Christian Missionary Alliance, we went through some difficult times <clears throat> and we went in our family. We had to come home for, for a variety of reasons. And during that extended period of time that we were home, we, we heard, you know, voices from people that would say, yeah, you know, they don't make missionaries like they used to. And that's funny, but it actually, it's, it's quite dishonoring, right? There were very loud voices. And honestly, we weren't sure if we were cut out for that kind of thing. We didn't rise up like the missionaries of old. Those voices were loud at times, and it was, it was difficult not to partner with those lies. However, our leadership in the CMA, the Christian Missionary Alliance, were awesome. They still are. Okay, all the way through these difficult times we were walking, and they kept reminding us of who we were. Okay, they constantly reminded us and, and called the gold out in San Renan and the girls. And they said, hey, you know what? You guys are we value you. We, we at the leadership level would love to have you back. Would you consider being on our team again? Would you consider going back to Mexico? See, they maintained a high opinion of who we were, even through the, some of the muck that we had to walk through in our family. That's honor. And it built up in me a reality of great safety in, that, in those relationships. And honor 
coming from someone who esteemed, who I esteemed and uh, who was influential in my life, protected me from, from thinking lower about myself and protected me from believing things about myself that just aren't true. And then it moved me to honor them too. So honor promotes one another. It, it calls out the gold in other people. It calls out the greatness in one another. And it elevates people to their royal status of sons and daughters of the king. It builds prestige and honor in who you are. And it also gives great respect and admiration for people as well. And, and having that respect and admiration for others is kind of like what I alluded to earlier, but it's also the, the ability to communicate toward people the wonder and awe in who they are. Okay, it's not like saying, uh, I'm kind of wondering about you. No, it's not saying that. It's I've been, I'm, I'm in awe about you. Okay, I'm so blown away at the uniqueness in you and what the Father has built into you. You are gifted, you are valuable to me and to this body of Christ. It's about searching for what is wonderful about an individual. That's giving respect and admiration. And it's saying things like, man, I'm amazed at who you are. You are awesome. Okay, it's thinking things like, what about you am I willing to protect in our relationship? What about you do I want to build up and promote and celebrate? What is it about you that I want to die for? That is creating a culture of honor and giving respect and, and admiration to one another. I've been thinking a long time about honor and asking myself, what, what keeps us from developing a culture of honor? What keeps us in the body of Christ from living day after day in a culture of honor and honoring one another? What keeps us from that? And there's a few things that, that stuck out for me. See, there's a passage in, um, uh, in Luke 9, 46, where the disciples are arguing with one another about who would be the greatest among them. It's kind of funny. You know, they... Go figure. They spend so much time with Jesus. They start doing the works that Jesus does, and they start arguing about who'd be the greatest. Isn't that funny? I think it's funny. So I thought for a minute about this. Okay, and, and I thought, yeah, you know, I actually don't know if we struggle with that. We often don't hear people say here at church or in the body of Christ, uh, we, we don't hear people arguing off in the corner of who'd be the greatest. We don't hear that. Or do we? Then I realized, hey, hold on a second here. We do. We may think that we don't. And yet we do that, how? We do that by pointing out the character flaws in other people. And by pointing out character flaws and what's wrong with them. 
We do that. And by doing that, what are we doing? We're actually bringing dishonor to one another and to God. And, and we do that by indirectly elevating ourselves over somebody else. We don't understand. Sometimes we just don't understand what we're doing or who we are. Okay, when we have stuff in our soul that we haven't worked through or, or we believe lies about ourselves that just aren't true, we tend to point toward the issues and flaws in other people to make ourselves feel better. And by pointing out those flaws, we're indirectly saying that I am greater than you. I'm greater than those other people who struggle with this or that. Friends, that's gross. Okay, that's disgusting. No more. Speaking to myself too. But that is gross. We must stop doing that. See, there's something else that keeps us from this culture of honor. And I, I believe it's this belief in a lie that any kind of recognition of our strength or our goodness is pride. And, and we don't want to puff someone else up for fear that they may become prideful. That's just weird. So often when I hear people get a compliment, okay, about, about how awesome of a job they did, a normal response is, is becoming more and more, you know what, I, you did an awesome job. I, yeah, it wasn't me, it was all Jesus. I, I haven't done this yet, but I might, so please don't do this with me. I might just say to you, you know what? It actually wasn't that good. <laughs> Do you guys understand what I said? It wasn't that good. Friends, this is having a, a false sense of humility. False sense of humility. And it, and it partners with an ungodly low self-esteem. As one author said, true humility is not the absence of confidence, but is strength restrained. The only way we can truly be humble is to have an honest assessment of ourselves before God. Okay, humility is an issue of the heart. We must propose in our heart to know our greatness because of who we are in Christ, right? Yet, never exalt ourselves higher than we ought. Take Moses, for example, okay? Scripture says in Numbers 12, 3, that Moses was very humble. In fact, it says he was the most humble man in the face of the earth. Who wrote that book? Moses wrote that. What? Moses wrote that about himself. Like, come on. What does that mean? Moses, that's just funny, isn't it? Moses, had an, he was inspired and gave an inspired, honest assessment of who he was before God. See, we can be people of humility and still be confident in the kingdom and who we are. Part of the issue is not understanding our true identity. Okay, some of us still identify ourselves as fallen people. And if their honest assessment of themselves continually points them to fallen people and not to a redeemed people, a royal people, then 
they may not believe that they're actually worth very much. And they will tend to spiritualize their low self-esteem as being humble. That's just not right. Or take the issue uh, that some people have in calling out the greatness in someone because they may somehow, that may somehow take away from the greatness of God. Some people struggle with, with calling people great because they say, hold on, only God is great. Okay? And promoting uh, honor and, and greatness in someone teaches a doctrine of pride that promotes pride and, and, and in trying to discover the greatness in people. You guys see this painting here? Can you see it in the back? Yeah, I hope so. It's beautiful. Look at this painting for a second. Let's pretend that you, everybody, painted this. Okay? Let's just pretend for a moment. Are you there? Okay. Now, listen to me. What if I said, oh my goodness, that's disgusting. Who, who would ever pick colors like that to go in the ocean? Oh, it's terrible. The beach, is really a beach there. It's gross. That's just who would, that, they're not talented at all. Let me ask you a question. Does demeaning the painting in any way glorify the artist? It does not. By me demeaning this picture, does that glorify the artist? Not at all. So not only is God himself the one who painted you and I, so to speak, okay, but Jesus was the one who sat in the chair and modeled for the masterpiece you. You're the masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship. Really means we are God's masterpiece in Christ Jesus. <gasps> that is amazing. Remember, friends, that you and I were made in God's image. And in His likeness, we did not create ourselves. We didn't. God created us. We are the work of his hands. And so when we tear each other down, when I tear myself down, that's not being humble. That's just being really, you fill in the blank. That is not good. It is not good. Calling the greatness out in somebody is actually calling out who God is in that person because he's the one who put that heavenly deposit in them. Yes, I'm fired up about this stuff. And so should you. The foundation for everything that we're talking about this morning, for the foundation of honor, is really Ephesians 5.21, which says, submit to one another. Honor one another out of reverence for Christ, out of a, a holy fear for Christ, good fear. Okay? A culture of honor is where you would treat another person as you would treat Jesus. That's the basis for honor. It has its foundation in your value for God. 
And so what it means is when I look at someone who I want to honor, it means that they don't have to earn it. They don't have to deserve it. Because I'm doing it as if I would do it to Jesus himself. Joel and the worship team, you guys can come up. Why don't you guys stand up too? That'd be great. We're almost closing here. Something I haven't really touched on yet, and I will just briefly, is it's important to understand that just because we honor one another and we cultivate a culture of honor does not mean that we have to agree with one another on everything all the time. That doesn't mean that. Honoring one another doesn't mean that we avoid conflict with one another. Well, what it does mean is that in those situations where conflict comes, we need an extra honor-required moment. Don't run from conflict if you need to make things right. But you honor someone in and through that healthy conflict resolution. And in that conflict, honor refuses to speak negatively toward an individual. Refuses. Because it protects that kingdom relationship. That's what it does. It means we value them as people who have been created in the image of God and in his likeness, even when we disagree with somebody. And by the way, the quickest way to combat or to dissipate a conversation that is as dishonoring to someone is just refuse to engage in that conversation. Just don't talk. Or just look at them. Not in a rude way, but just, you know, just give them that look. Like, the look that says, what, what are you doing? Like, why, we don't treat each other like that in the kingdom of heaven. Right? And I guarantee you, if you don't say anything and you give them that look, they're going to start to realize, oh, I shouldn't be talking like this. It's true. Refuse to engage in dishonoring conversations. Be proactive and elevate people to the royal status of who they are in the kingdom. Right? Friends, it is time that we cultivate a culture of honor in our relationships. Here in our church, at home, your families, with those who don't know yet, don't yet know Jesus. It's time that we begin to realize that as a called people of God, we are royal people. We gotta act like it. Okay, we got to protect one another. We got to call out the greatness in one another. Call out the gold in one another. Protect the vital relationships that are eternal. We are one big team of people. Do you know that? We are one team of people. Get this, guys. Come on. You've got to watch out for one another. And remember, honor is the currency of heaven that holds all of your relationships together. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I I thank you that you honored us first. You loved us first. Father, I thank you that we have been, uh, we are people in your kingdom. And now would you, would you release 
blessing over us. Teach us how to cultivate honor in this body. Praise you for every single person in this room. And Lord, where there's times where we've actually, where we've dishonored people and that person right now is on our heart, oh God, would you give us the strength to go to them and confess our sin to them? Repent, and may we receive that forgiveness that you've given us. And may we honor those people instead. Thank you, Lord. Praise that you are good, that you love us. Amen. Go this week, cultivate honor wherever you go. We'll see you next Sunday.